So while I was away, um, Rachel said she was tempted to come to the mic and pretend to be me and drop one of my catchphrases. <laughs> and then she was like, I couldn't think of any catchphrases. So I think that means you and I both need to come up with some catchphrases for this program. Oh, shoot. What do you think? Uh, I feel like you had one at one point already and you just uh, refused to keep using it or forgot. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was it. <laughs> um, well, you know, let, we can we can uh, sort of pilot them as they come up during the show. Okay, you know? uh, sounds good. I mean, let's see. There's always. I mean, one of your one of your catchphrases is uh, the real uh uh-uh is the Mm-mm we found along the way. <laughs> That's more of a um, repeated. Well, it's more of like a meme than a catchphrase. Huh. Diggity doo. How's that? <laughs> I'm talking to you. Diggity doo. I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, I like that. Like a longer yeah. thing, like that. Diggity doo. Yeah. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Let's let's yes, try that. Let's Nathan. just let's just <laughs> okay. uh, let's casually throw that in throughout this episode and just see how it goes. Okay. Cool, but make sure it comes natural. Okay. Oh, it will come so natural. I won't force it at all. <laughs> Diggity do, I'm talking to you. This is Think Outside the Box Set. <laughs> I was like, I knew you were going to do it immediately. I was just like, is he going to wait for Stagali to stop? <laughs> or is he, or like how patient were you gonna be? Cameron, I've got so, I've got too much respect for Mississippi John Hurt to interrupt him. D- Except when I'm talking to I'm I'm here with ya. Mm. <laughs> mm, that's even better than the one I said. This is a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist's back catalog, an artist that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed, like that little save that I had just there. Uh, I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt, and we've jumped the shark, folks. Yeah, we've officially <laughs> we're, we're jumped the shark. We're doing catchphrases now. <laughs> oh, happy days. We've jumped the shark. Um, yeah, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna get into my um, transmogrifier now and turn into Cameron, the sexy Cameron. <laughs> ooh, 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 I he like has that. no glasses. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I also have references to make to that program that I definitely watched. <laughs> uh, did I do that? Um, yeah. So. The, this is our uh, Billy Joel season, but we've taken a short break from Billy Joel to talk about a Beatles album called, let me see, The Nylon Curtain, uh, released mm-hmm. in, what, 1982, I think? And the weird thing is, the Beatles had a guest vocalist on this album named uh, William Joel, I think? Uh, yeah, and he did the whole thing, and they didn't sing at all. Yeah, but it's definitely but it a like Beatles sometimes album. <laughs> they wanted... Uh, they wanted him they they wanted people to think that it was one of the beatles yeah they were like william william we'd like you to (laughs) to sing like us for this song and the other songs but we've definitely written these as we are the beatles yeah he still let some billy joel ticks come in though cameron that's that's slander (laughs) billy joel does not have ticks uh, however much hiking he does, I'm sure he has the proper precautions and gets himself tested and uh, has a real, real sexy time getting checked for ticks. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a deep cut right there. 
Oh, I forgot that we talked about um, that on this program. It's just, it usually is a very sexy time. <laughs> That's the thing that other people talk about, not just us. About There's a whole song about time it. Dick checks. Did you oh, say dick checks? right. Not on purpose. <laughs> I mean, you got to do that, though, if, there, if you there's do. a tick. Brad Paisley. might be one. It's called Ticks. I'm going to check you for ticks. Isn't, isn't that the melody? <laughs> I'm sure it is, Cameron. It simply must be. It has to be. Uh, the Nylon is, Curtain. What's with this title? I, fuck, I was going to ask you that. I, I, um, it's, uh, he's talking about showers. Okay. That's, Isn't there some that's other kind of curtain that has some sort of, like, geopolitical... Oh, do you mean the Iron Curtain? What's that? Does that have anything to do with this? That's the separation between the quote-unquote first world and the quote-unquote second world, which is to say... Oh my god, is that really what that is? Yeah, which is to say the like Western developed democracies and the uh, nominally communist uh, countries of the Eastern Bloc, the uh, Soviet Union and their satellite uh, sort of countries, regimes. But gotcha. funny enough, like the okay. I don't people don't really I think understand what the numbering really refers to. Like they hear third world and they think it just means like in terms of development or economic um achievement or whatever, but all it is is like categories of countries based on their sort of alignment during the Cold War. Um okay. and it's not necessarily I didn't know that, that like, those terms had to do with the Cold War specifically. Oh yeah, definitely. So the the third world are like the 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 like unaffiliated not a threat. Yeah, essentially like I guess non-players like uh yeah. your or the Argent- pawns, I guess because <laughs> the pawns? Yeah, just because like they're like, well, we need to make sure that, you know, or not oh, me, oh. us, we the US was like we need to make sure that like, you know, the second world doesn't get a hold of the, these third world countries. Exactly. And we need yeah. to make sure to destroy all of their uh governments and that's why we need to carpet bomb cambodia and it makes total sense and it absolutely achieves a bunch of really uh worthwhile goals and is not a horrific war crime at all see it makes sense uh as uh as elon musk would say we'll coup whoever we want deal with it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's so much as uh something he would say so much as a direct quote word for word yeah for uh this piece of shit who got rich off of apartheid uh emeralds so cool guy you know he's he's gonna be the one that he's the he's the technocratic savior of mankind and he's gonna lead us to mars and i can't wait to be living on a musky mars utopia Mm -mm. yeah (laughs) boy boy howdy boy howdy Um, diggity do we're talking to you Everybody listen up. We're talking about Billy Joel, the nylon curtain. <laughs> it actually works uh, really well. I like it. I think we might have to just constantly no. say it every 10 minutes. Cameron, we mm, need catchphrases. Th- it's the only thing that's going to make us popular. I'm laughing to not bring down the energy of the show, but I don't think I can ar- I- even ironically enjoy <laughs> Well, can you at least enjoy how much I'm enjoying it? Mm. And one of the primary reasons I'm, I'm enjoying it is that you don't enjoy it. So... That should make you feel enjoyment. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Some the... Some more reverse ASMR. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> oh. Now, that's the name of the game for us. 
Uh, You're giving me anti tingles. <laughs> Yikes. Um, speaking of the first, second, and third world, there is a song about a uh, a proxy war. Here, uh, there's a song about the Vietnam conflict, which is a conflict between the first and second world taking place in the third world because that's one of the things we liked to do. Um, yeah, that was probably. I, I sort of felt like that was the most boring song. Really? I mean, it's too long. It's seven minutes I mean, it's long. that, and it's pretty slow, and I had trouble paying paying attention to it. I thought Scandinavian Skies was more boring. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear about your heroin times. Yeah. Your one heroin trip that you took. Your Billy Swedish Joel. ground or whatever, he says. Um yeah, overall, I think the second half of the album loses a lot of energy and kind of peters out, um, much like us on this show. <laughs> if we didn't have catchphrases Damn it. You're to right. punch up the energy, um, uh, Billy Joel says so- he, he is one of his personal favorites. He says, it's the recording I'm most proud of and the material I'm most proud of. I, and, I, th- uh, I think that's that's interesting because... I feel like he's the most proud of it because it sounds the most like the Beatles, which is probably the music he likes the most. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's the the Billy Joliest of albums. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, a lot of this is just like, I don't know, kind of sounds like a cheap imitation of the Beatles. Um, which which I think, I've, I've always wondered this, Cameron. There's something very distinctive about the Beatles' sound that I can't really put my finger on. Is it is it like their harmony? Is it just the timbre of the vocals? Is it like the harmonic structure of the songs? Like what makes them so distinctive? Well, they go. I'm I'm not a Beatles expert, but they have like different. Um, they have different kind of phases that they went through in their very short career, right? Um, careers, uh, and uh, the sound that to me that that i heard of the beat like the beatles sound that i heard the most was like the um i am the walrus cuckoo kachoo like sergeant peppers like like that kind of era like i mm. wasn't hearing a lot of abbey road i definitely wasn't hearing like i want to hold your hand oh no beep beep well, beep, beep yeah <laughs> or any of that stuff there's a little bit of that maybe yeah that the, i feel the heavy-handed material the illusions were all kind of Sergeant Peppery. Yeah. Sergeant Peppered in there. Oh, there you much. go. Mm. Just a little sprinkling of Sergeant Pepper. Um, also, uh, John Lennon had died not long before he recorded this album, which is something they mentioned on that Wikipedia and might be a, um, might be a factor in why it sounds so Beatlesy. He also said he wanted um, to create a sonic masterpiece and spent more time in the studio crafting the sound of the album than he had on any previous album. I will say that the the sound, the sounds of like the just the timbres, the way it's mixed and mastered, I do think it sounds the best. It's not my favorite arranging mm-hmm. of his songs. It's not my favorite vocals. It's all fine. Like yeah. it's fine. It's, it's fine. good. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But exactly. like I, I I will say that the it, it feels like the the way things sit in their st- in the stereo image, if you will, the way things are equalized and mastered, etc. It it it's a 
it's it, it sounds better <laughs> that's it yep. that's all i Great. have to say cool yeah it's it's cleaner really you can make somewhere. out the parts the the basic the basic stuff sounds basier and richer mm-hmm. yeah yeah um it also it this album has a lot of like nostalgia in it um musically nostalgia for the beatles which was the music of billy joel's i guess adolescence probably um mm. and y- youth uh but also it's adolescence sort of like tinged with yearning and um sort of reflecting on a diminished present uh joel has stated that it would quote it was during the reagan years and the diminishing horizons in america at the time meant that all of a sudden you weren't going to be able to inherit the kind of life your old man had um so it's kind of like we and this is 1982 like it gets much worse um i was gonna say like like this the era of like springsteen you know and like disillusionment with the american dream it's like buckle in folks yeah (laughs) it's about to get a thousand times worse i think and i was i was thinking like do millennials have any sort of like equivalent of are we or are we just so disillusioned that there's not even any point in complaining about you know the recession or whatever I don't think I've really heard it in music, honestly, very much. Like complaining about the recession. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, like, I mean, probably probably because we were just like, I mean, we haven't recovered yet, and we're just still working our asses off. Yeah, don't exactly. Have time to like think, <laughs> it's not productive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I wonder, honestly, if like the. Uh, some of the stuff that Springsteen and Billy Joel like talk about is, is more about like the um, sort of economic crisis of the late seventies and the fuel crisis and like all that stuff. What Jimmy Carter called um, malaise before the American people threw him out for daring to tell them the truth. Um, and then elected a, <laughs> a man who pretended to be a cowboy <laughs> with a melting brain <laughs> who wanted to uh, turn America into an oligarchy fun cool great 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 years the 80s they're really they're really the high point you know so much nostalgia for those good good times i for all the shitty things about now i'm glad that i wasn't then yeah i mean it's it was definitely like a lot worse in terms of so many things um treatment of anyone marginalized uh smoking was everywhere like I, I, I remember I'm, I'm old enough to remember like smoking in non smoking sections of restaurants, which is absurd on the face of it. Yeah, I remember that, too. It's so weird and dumb and bad. Anyway, this is neither here nor there. Uh, you want to talk about Allentown? Yeah, let's 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 get uh, get into some Pennsylvania core. Yeah. So it's it's a city in the Lehigh Valley. That's about one hundred and fifteen thousand people. Oh, wait, maybe we should also talk about the song Allentown. What do you think? Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Fancy that. Well, our fathers fought the Second World War. Spent their weekends on the Jersey Shore. Met our mothers in the USO. Us and the dads, dads with us all. And we're living here in Allentown. 
So Pennsylvania is its own like American microcosm, uh, where yeah. essentially there are two coastal elites of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and I then mean, there's Middle America in between. Of, it. Kind of, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of a stretch to call Pittsburgh a coastal elite. <laughs> I mean, I said microcosm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's maybe a coastal elite in the sense that like Fresno or Bakersfield is a coastal elite town, or Spokane or something. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, as, like, I don't know, what, like, New York City to, to like, Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, you know? Do you think that's that, that would be, much, would, that different of a ratio? I mean, especially at this time, yeah. Like, this, this, I, I definitely agree that Pennsylvania is its own microcosm of the United States, um, but... I don't think it really has the coastal dynamic going on because Pittsburgh, especially this time is like essentially the same story. Like they have the Steelers, it's a yeah. steel town and yeah. it was in the process of getting gutted by um, American capitalists moving all the jobs overseas. Yep. Um, so, but like in between that's where the real heartland Americans are in Altoona in Pittsburgh and state college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and Harrisburg, Havertown, and Elizabethtown, yep. like that great movie that yep. everyone loved. <laughs> and then they all killed themselves on bikes. With <laughs> <laughs> is that what happens in that movie? Suicide machine. Uh, I've never seen the movie, but apparently, like one of the first scenes is Orlando Bloom's on a bike, and he like makes it's like <laughs> it's like one of those sex machines, like. Oh, but well, it's, from but like it's for killing after yourself. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. From, oh. yeah, Or, you know, from porn. Um, well, and, yeah. uh, well, and then there's like a co- knife. Sorry, sorry. There is a town right outside Lancaster, Pennsylvania called Intercourse. Sorry, you said porn right as oh. my eyes settled on that on the map. I, I, I know that town well. Yeah. Oh, hey. I don't now. actually. I've never been okay. there. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yet you have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, God, what the fuck was I talking about? Uh, the fuck uh, machine that kills Orlando Bloom? Yeah. You know what? Let's just leave it at that. I think that's basically <laughs> it. It sounds like it needs elaboration, but it doesn't. There's a, <laughs> there's a bike and a knife. <laughs> and a, Bike knife. And he fails. And then the rest of the movie has to happen, unfortunately. Oh, boy. Anyway, we're living here in Allentown, and they're closing all the factories down. Adam Bethlehem, they're killing time, filling out forms, standing in line. Well, our fathers fought the Second World War, spent their weekends on the Jersey Shore, met our mothers at the USO, asked them to dance, dance with them slow. But we're living here, er, and we're living here in Allentown, but the restlessness was handed down, and it's getting very hard to stay. Now, um, this song, when I was listening to it, I uh, had a moment where I sat bolt upright, because in verse four, he sings, so the graduations hang on the wall, but they never really helped us at all. And I was like, I remember somebody on a yeah. podcast talking about this multiple times. Was it someone on the flop house? Maybe, maybe it was Merlin. Like this era? No, this specific lyric. Oh, interesting. Maybe it was Merlin man, but somebody yeah, was, what's that? It definitely hits home. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, yeah. But they were specifically uh, objecting to the fact that he says the graduations hang on the wall, not like the diplomas hang on the wall, but the graduations themselves hang on the wall which is uh, kind of a weird mixed metaphor, but is also an example I kinda, of... I kind of like it. 
Yeah, the person I, re- I remember talking about it objected to it very strenuously and did not like it at all. But it is an example of a figure of speech called a metonymy, which is referring to something by something that is closely related to that thing. So, some, like referring to the king as the crown or, you know, something like that. It's not actually the crown speaking. It's, you know, the person. Uh, so yeah, it's and honestly, like the like a, when you hear about a diploma on the wall, like I feel like it it really to me what comes to mind is like like higher higher education post grad stuff. Like oh, a diploma it gets on the wall higher for some reason. Gets so high. Um, but like when I hear about like graduations, I think about high school and I think about college. Cameron, you like know what? We need college. we need to make we need to write a millennial version of the song, and it starts right here. So the participation trophies hang on the wall, but they never really helped us at all. No, they never <laughs> taught us what was real. Uh, avocados and toast. Uh, <laughs> what rhymes with real? Uh, um, it fuck. gave me some real feels. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave me the feels. And we're uh, Instagramming from Allentown. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I like this song. I think the song is actually pretty good. It's not bad. I mean, I I I like the specifics of it. I think there's some moments. Okay, so the bridge kind of didn't didn't I give you a a thing from the bridge? Uh, the bridge spells it out. You say, yeah. yeah, yeah. Play that. It's a little heavy handed here. So that's a little, that's a little much, but I also kind of, I want people, I want as many people as possible to question, uh, any sort of jingoism that they're taught. So like, to me, it's like, fine. Yeah. Um, uh, and also I really like the way that William sings. They threw an American flag in our face. (laughs) I was going to point that out. They threw an American flag in our face. I think that rhythm they threw an american flag i i like it i it certainly I think catches it your ear feels good it, the other uh rhythm i noticed was um to get at least as far as their old man got because a lot of people would phrase it it's, to get at least yeah. as far as their old man got and he says as their old man got so it, like it's a it's yeah, like a beat shorter than, you, yeah. than it could be hey uh will you pull up um while i'm talking about another lyric that i like if you look to the right here, it says interpolated, uh, interpolated. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Allentown by Ed Helms from, from a hangover movie. I did not see that movie. I'm kind of interested to see, to hear Ed Helms singing Allentown. Uh, would you pull that up? Why say that a lyric that I really like is, well, I'm living here in Allentown and it's hard to keep a good man down, but I won't be getting up today. Mm. Uh, I think there's something I like the ending it's very bleak and because in the outro he just keeps he he repeats it's getting very hard to stay and we're living here in Allentown and I think this is a great example of using a cliche effectively Um, using an aphorism etc you know like 
the the whole point of it is to condense a bunch of meaning and to sort of appeal to like a, a larger idea um, that people generally accept and then to respond to it. That's like the yeah. I I think that's an effective way to use a cliche. And I think that's what happens here. And it's hard to keep a good man down, um, but I won't be getting up today. I don't actually know where keeping uh, keeping a good man down, where that comes from. I bet you do. Uh, I think the origin is is from the song, You Can't Keep a Good Dog Down from All Dogs Go to Heaven. And they just took it and uh, applied it to men instead of dogs. <laughs> That 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 would make sense with Billy Joel, but if he was a time traveler, because he sings that, isn't that Billy Joel? No, I'm thinking of uh, Oliver and Company. Fuck. Yeah. What a what an uh, uh, what a terrible mistake. Oh, is it happening? Uh oh, here it comes. Is that in Edmund Helms? I'm proud of you. Charlie, tell him. Oh, you can't keep a good dog down. No, sir. Oh, you can't keep a good dog down. <laughs> I've seen pain and hurt. That's right. I've eaten dirt. That's true. It's That's hard true. to buy, but even I've been jilted by a skirt. He lied. Look how I'm still around. What a good song. What a bonkers how movie. How is a dog jilted by a skirt? You know what? I actually don't want to talk about it. Cameron, I thought you That's were another example of a metonymy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here's here's Ed Helms from The Hangover 2. Well, we're living here in Allentown And he's driven our lives into the ground When we woke up we were wasted and drunk Phil got shot We got oh, God. by a monk I was happy and my life was good. So he's talking about the plot Getting of the movie. Like a dentist okay, this isn't very good. Roasting marshmallows on no. It goes way too long. Oh, it's longer than that. The soundtrack version is like two and a half minutes long. Wait, he says I got fucked in the ass? Is there like a Oh hang on, like I forgot that plot or something? Uh uh, it's fair use if we take a pause in between two consecutive sound samples, right? <laughs> I think that's fair use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we got it, and and we're. I I think that if there's a uh, a, a rape plot in that movie, uh, that that that's probably bad and in and in bad. Oh, taste. commentary. There you go. And, Here we um, go. Yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Let's listen. Marshmallows on a stick. I got fucked in the ass. By a girl with a okay. <laughs> oh no! That's not good. That's awful. Why did they have to do that? Is this the one that's like set in Thailand or something? Uh, I feel like that's the third one. The Hangover. Oh my god. Um, how terrible. Okay. No, the Hangover well, Part Two is those. set in Thailand. For it's for Stu's wedding. So they're really leaning into like the the, the like thing. lady boy panic like yeah oh god that's that's the term i (laughs) that i feel like is used colloquially i'm not saying that that's an appropriate term to use wait which term um the the term like thai lady boy oh yes because i think they well i don't know 
maybe I'll put something in the learning links. Maybe I won't. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, apparently it was... Contemplating um, how much to cut. No, I'll leave it. In. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should know that, like, fuck that kind of humor. Yeah. And that's not that long ago. Apparently that was one of the things that happened. It seems like it was consensual based on the plot summary. Um, it's, it looks like one of those things that happened during the hangover, like, lost time kind of thing. Um, Because apparently one of the characters just slips the other characters a bunch of drugs um, to try to get them to relax. Uh, And during that time when everyone's blazed out of their minds, uh, Stu, who's getting married the following day, has sex with a lady, quote unquote, a lady boy. Oh, boy. Okay. So we've talked about one song. Yeah. Um, I, I like not that version, but the Billy Joel version pretty well. Um, and I, th- I think it's a, it's a perfectly good song. Yes. Not you know, a perfect, like impeccable song, but it's a, per- it's, it's great. It's, it's perfectly good, fine. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not a perfectly I would say good better than fine. <laughs> you know, it's not a perfectly Laura? good song. Laura. This is very much like a white album song, right? I I don't know. Okay. I mean, it, to me, it sounds like "Losing the Sky with Diamonds." Ah, uh, yeah, or something. I don't know what song, what album that's part of. I'm not like a huge Beatles fan, okay. honestly. Yeah, I listened to Abbey Road a bunch, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. So this is Laura in the sky, not in the sky, and not with diamonds. Uh, yeah, Laura has a very hard time. All her what? life has been one long disaster. I fight her wars. Why don't you like this song? Well, it's just kind of, he's kind of shitty towards this person. Um, yeah, but it's his mom. Oh, I did not know that. That's something that is not so, in the text of the song at all. I, I think it is, and I will read you the Well, part. there's one thing Sometimes you Sometimes I feel like this Godfather deal is all wrong. Oh, oh, oh. How can she hold an umbilical cord for so long? Oh, 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 oh. That did not make me think it was his mother. It just made me think he was, like, shaming this woman for, like motherly instincts or having a child and like exploiting their child or something like that i i get that it can be about his mother and it's better about his mother than if it wasn't but there's like i listened to the whole song and had no clue that it was about his mother well maybe it's not i think that if you read it about like as a song about his mother then it becomes something that's like a little bit more relatable about like a person having a toxic relationship with a parent uh, and they're both adults mm. and the kid feeling like they have to be, or the adult kid feeling like they have to parent their own parent mm-hmm. um, and dote on them in a way that's unsustainable and they resent. And I, I think that that is an interesting topic um, and yeah. something uh, I'm, I'm and not for personal reasons at all, but like something I think that maybe in a universal way, but maybe specifically some people like could like really relate to like, that's a thing that happens. So man, this, if this is about his mother, it makes the ending a lot better. Laura loves me. Even if I don't care, that's my problem. That's her sacred absolution. If I had to, she would, if she had to, she would put herself in my chair, even though I faced electrocution. She always says I'm the best friend that she's ever had. 
oh, 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 how do you hang up on someone who needs you that bad? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it's like the hanging up, like that phone kind of inter- like interaction. That's like a mother-son kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think that it's about a mom. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, it's it's much better. Like I I just thought he was being shitty and shaming a woman as cuz a woman, yeah. Cuz like on the Wikipedia article, it says, according to Joel, the titular character from the song Laura was supposed to represent anyone who knows how to quote push your buttons and make you feel guilty. He also explained that the character, despite having the female-oriented name Laura, could represent anybody regardless of sex. So like that's that's yeah. the only thing on the Wikipedia article about it and it just made me think yeah, he's he's calling out someone's bad behavior, but he's doing it in such a specifically gendered way and then pretending like yeah. it could be applied to anyone, which is something that is a, is a tactic I see from a lot of just casual misogyny, you know, and it it yeah. it uh, makes me annoyed. But if it's about his mom, it's a lot more specific and like kind of heart wrenching. Yeah. Yeah. People can absolutely men can absolutely be misogynistic to their mothers. Um, absolutely. Impossible. But, but <laughs> how can is... I be misogynistic? I have a wife that I, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a, uh, there's a power dynamic that kind of goes both ways there because one person decided how the other person, uh, what their childhood would be like. Right. You know, to, to some extent, um, and set their, life in action like uh, set them down a path you know Mm -hmm. and that is something that's like on a you know on sort of like a cosmic level you know just like or on a human level rather is something that you get to be resentful of regardless of gender Mm -hmm. so yeah um, uh this song contains and and maybe in some ways is is like a a mother specific kind of thing yeah you know this song billy joel swears in it he swears a big fat cuss. He has a and big it's fat not, cuss. It's not one of the little it's, ones. It's one of the it big. It starts cusses. with an F and it ends with an ugh, which yeah. we we have not heard him. I don't know if we've heard him cuss at all. And he goes right to the big one. Doesn't doesn't he say a cuss in Captain Jack? Oh, he might say like shit or something. Poopy. <laughs> Maybe he says poopy. Weenie. <laughs> I think he says, Doo-doo. he says masturbation in one song, but it's... He yeah, he does say masturbation, you know. I think. Yeah, you stay at home and uh, masturbate. And everyone knows that's a cuss. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, he says, you want to play the sound sample? I, I took one. Great. Of the cuss that he swore. Yeah. That's a PG thirteen album right there. Yeah, you get they one. Get one fuck. <laughs> well, can't they get be one, talking about actual sex. They get one uh, usage of the word. They don't get a fuck. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, uh, should we move on? Yes, we should. I feel like we're probably running a little late. Um, I guess we can talk about pressure quickly. It has at least some energy. It sounds like an ABBA song. Mm. So good. Deal with pressure. 
that part especially. Yes, it totally does sound like an ABBA song. <laughs> His singing is more like a like a David Bowie, and I'm not just saying that because the song's called Pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to say about the song, really. Um, it's just about uh, people being fragile, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's... It's it's very generic. I think it's, uh, I don't know, about the pressures of growing up in kind of a vague way. Now, here you are with your faith and your Peter Pan advice. All grown up and no place to go. Don't ask for help. You're all alone. Pressure, you'll have to answer to your own pressure. Yeah. Uh, I like that he ends it on the lyrics. All your life is Time Magazine. I read it too. What does it mean? Pressure. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Whatever. You want to move on to Goodnight Saigon? Yeah. This is the. Well, obviously, this is the Vietnam song. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> Yep, so it's pretty slow, pretty superific. Um, it's got some good specifics. We met as soulmates on Paris Island. Oh, speaking of soulmates, this song is kind of gay, and I don't know hmm. to what extent he means it to be. I mean, there's... You mean we would all go down together? Yep, yep, that's the one. Uh, and and it all was right. so dark, so dark at night, and we held on to each other like brother to brother. Like, there's definitely some homoeroticism. Yeah. Um, we met as... I think in general, mm-hmm. in, like, you know, military or prison or, like, any kind of, like, all-male kind of situation, boy schools, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, like, h- hard to avoid. Software engineering teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's mostly just a Vietnam War narrative. And I like, um, I like a lot of the specifics. He, there, there's like a couple moments where he chooses a strategy that I don't think is quite as effective as it could be. Could be, like in verse two, he says, "We came in spastic like tameless horses," which is kind of an interesting image. I don't know. I quibble with some of the wording, like spastic, I guess. Uh, but that the fault is tameless, even a word. Not really. He could have said untamed, <laughs> and it has the same amount of syllables, and would be better. Um, maybe they got the graduations on the walls. Yeah, exactly. He just means copies of Kanye West album graduation. He just <laughs> has so many of them up on the wall for some reason. Probably because he's voting Kanye twenty twenty. Who's with me? Let's get that man elected president. <laughs> it's time we had Seems somebody like who's mentally idea. ill in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had enough of that. Oh boy. Speaking of Reagan, um. So the, the follow-up line to the spastic like tameless horses is we left in plastic as numbered corpses, which is, I, I get that he's like trying to, he really wanted to rhyme horses with corpses and he really <laughs> wanted that image of coming back in plastic and numbers, but it just fucked, uh, it fucks up the whole narrative of the song. Cause he's talking about like their t- military training. We were sharp as sharp as knives and we were so gung ho to lay down our lives and we learned fast to travel light. Our arms were heavy, but our bellies were tight. Like he's dealing with the transformation of these men into like 
people who are like going to die and kill. Yeah. But he kind of like messes it up by just throwing in this reference to what was going to happen years later. And I think it would have been stronger if he had just focused on the narrative and telling the narrative well, rather than like throwing in these little editorial asides. Yeah. I think this quote from Billy Joel kind of says a lot about the conception of the song. He's talking to Howard Stern in an interview. Uh-huh. I wanted to do that for my friends who did go to Nam. A lot of them came back from being in country and really had a hard time getting over it. And still to this day, I think a lot of them are having a hard time. They never really, they were never really welcomed back. And whether you agreed with the war or not, these guys really took it on the chin. They went over there and they served and they never really got their due. Um, which makes sense as a, that's not a, really an inspiration for a song. That's an well, inspiration. Well, tell that to Bruce Springsteen to and Born start- in the USA. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. But like, it's. I would just say that it's hard to write a broad song about a, a topic. Yes. And to, to me, it sort of feels like Billy Joel's like, it feels like lip service. I mean, I'm sure he means it earnestly, but like, it doesn't seem like that much care ultimately went into the song. Mm-hmm. Or that much feeling like I really believe Bruce Springsteen when he does it because I feel like he gets more specific um, and he I feel like he has a str- I f- ultimately I feel like Bruce Springsteen has a more more things to say about things in general yes I agree <laughs> and Billy Joel is sort of just a nihilist and yeah you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's Billy Joel's not even really saying anything in this song. Not he's just really. saying, yeah, that, you know, or even in this description of the song in the interview, he's just saying like, oh, yeah, they had a hard time. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> duh. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a song, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. he. I mean, he tries to like flesh it out with specifics. We had no home front. We had no soft soap. Those are kind of vague specifics, if you could say that. They sent us Playboy. Yeah, they g- but they're generic specifics. <laughs> yeah. They sent us Playboy. They gave us Bob Hope. This is a, this is pretty fairly effective for me, at least. We dug in deep and shot on sight and prayed to Jesus Christ with all of our might. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I was already ready to not care after the like, 30 seconds of silence at the beginning of the track yeah. that slowly um faded into like helicopter sounds or something yeah and then the end of the track is that too and it's just like mm, this isn't like a musical like do we have to do this yeah <laughs> it felt like very self-important like here is the here's the cultural moment in this album right yeah get ready exactly <laughs> it's gonna change a generation <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment where i become the voice of my generation he thought to himself oh boy all right. Uh, you want to move on to "She's Right on Time," or yeah, okay, yeah. I don't have anything to say about it, but it's we about can. it's got cr- cr- Christmas. It's Christmas. That should make the atmosphere complete. I had to wait forever, but better late than never. She's just in. She's 
another song with a lot. This is very mm. not Beatles. Yes, that's a good point. This is very. What would this be like? Kind of eighties pop or new wave or something? Wings. Wings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can I see know. that. Huh. It's definitely more Wings than Beatles. That's true. That's true. This this song also has a lot of <laughs> uh, vague specifics. Speaking of which, um, yeah. I don't have much to say about this song, but as an aside, I was scrolling up and on the genius, it has the album art for the nylon curtain. And I have not ever seen a more representative example of album art that was designed for cassette tapes and nothing else. Like yes, for (laughs) square formats, including digital vinyl and CD. Apparently they just took the cassette cover and put white bars on either side of it. So great idea. Great, great call guys. (laughs) <laughs> nothing is ever going to displace cassette tapes <laughs> well um nope i don't have anything to say about the song i thought i did i got nothing absolutely nothing. yeah i mean it's it's fine whatever um yeah. what 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 song should we talk about we probably don't have time to talk about them all huh Oh, we got some Billy Joel vocal ticks on a room of our own oh you yeah play that? his homage <laughs> really, to virginia wolf Yeah, this is very much a um, like Beatles for Sale era Beatles song. Like when they tried to do their yeah. slightly country kind of thing. Yeah, okay, I hear that. You're right. Yeah. That is that is a non-Sergeant Pepper kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but it sounds so much mm. like that particular style of Beatles. Uh, and even the even the lyrics this, are kind of structured that way too. So th- this song is all just about like it's a it's like a high class low class kind of thing but that they get together anyway yeah it's like that paula abdul song yes opposites attract uh-huh exactly yeah cameron if someone had told me like lennon mccartney had written this song i would have totally believed them like this is so far into beatles yeah. pastiche you've got diamonds and i've got spades you've got pills and i've got razor blades you've got yoga honey i've got beer you got overpriced and i got weird but it's all right. We're the same, even though we're alone. It's all right. Yes, we all need a room of our own. That is like such a Beatles writing structure, like the 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 like back yeah. and forth, like contrast in the um, in the verse between like these two people, and with like very specific images, very evocative images that express an idea without ever coming out and saying the idea, uh, and then it's just kind of like taken to a chorus that sort of tries to reconcile these two people. Or these these like opposites. It's uh it's it's very Hegelian, I guess, when you get down to it. Those Beatles. <laughs> oh yes, we were very inspired by Hegel. We're all about the thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Uh, special special uh, thanks that's to a, uh, that's a real to Ringo Starr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though he can't yeah. pronounce antithesis, uh, I. What, what did you think about Kierkegaard's um, uh, influences on Octopus's Garden? I never really read. What your personal never case? really read Kierkegaard. He always struck me as well, a bit, was, bit of a downer. He was a real Debbie Downer. 
Debbie Kierkegaard, I called him. Okay, <laughs> I guess you're not really saying no to the bit because you're still doing the voice, so I'll let you know. <laughs> I guess technically it's kind of a yes and. Uh, but before I go, I've got one more thing to say, Cameron. Oh, diggity-doo, okay. I'm talking to you. <laughs> diggity-doo, I'm talking to you, Ringo Star. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay, bye. Ah, uh, special thanks to special guest, always, Ringo Special Star. Always stresses me out when they <laughs> just show up unannounced. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, Cameron, he was uh, not really practicing social distancing. He kind of just shoved me aside and he just like got all up on my <laughs> mic. And now I'm, and I'm wondering how much of Ringo Star saliva I'm, I'm inhaling through my pop filter. Yeah, fortunately, he doesn't like project that much, but. Yeah, if you if you had stood six feet away and yelled into this mic, it would have been a better situation. Well, I don't know about if he had maybe had a face mask on and yelled into the mic. Ah, anyway, uh, uh, I don't know. do you have anything else? I don't have much to say about the you rest do of have this a album. Sound sample for this uh, song, though. Oh yeah, the vocal takes. There we go. Yeah, play that. <laughs> that's a that's also a very Beatles thing to do. Like, I could totally see uh, John yeah, Lennon he, doing that. He stutters on, like, a different sound. That's true. Then. He does stutter on his own unique sounds. Uh, okay, I'm going to change. It's been a while since I've made an annotation in the Genius lyrics, but um, where is the oh no part? Okay, uh, it's, it's after it starts to come, starts apart, to at come apart at the yeah. seams, right? Because he clearly has, like, a T sound in there. Oh no, no. Wow, it's um, showing me. It, it shows oh no. that there's annotation in progress on it already as you do it. Wow, real time. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Wow. Okay. Wow, it just it just changed. Do you see yeah, it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Wow, that's great. Great. All right. I don't know. Surprises? Is that worth talking about at all? No, let's just call. Let's just do Scandinavian skies, uh, just really briefly, um, and then I guess, and then call it. You don't want to talk about where's the orchestra? No, that song's fucking. Boring. It's fucking boring, but it has <laughs> an overarching metaphor. It? I don't know. Yeah, and it's, it's okay. A, I guess it's worth yeah. talking about it in its failure. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! All right, let's let's choose let's choose one. What do you want to do? I'm only going to do one. I don't have the energy. I don't have the will to do both. Uh, I feel like where's the orchestra at least tries to do something. All right. Like at least all we'll say about Scandinavian skies is that he tried, he did some heroin and he didn't like it. And that's what he said in the Howard Stern interview about it. Yeah. So, and it, and it's a boring boring song. song. Yeah. And it's very long. It's like what? Six minutes long. Yeah. It's too long. Um, I want to temper expectations here and say that I was uh, pushing for where's the orchestra because it it's very boring musically, but at least it's trying something lyrically, <laughs> whereas Scandinavian Skies is just a bunch of bullshit. So last song of the album, where's the orchestra? So Beatlesy. What is being said despite the dialogue? The leading man, the movie star, never faced an audience. Oh boy! Um, 
he is doing an imitation of is this would it be McCartney or John Lennon? But he he does it so much to the extent that he says "idea" in the same way that a British person might say "idea." He says has no oh, idea, so idea at all. It's so affected, yeah. Um, so for those of you listening at home, uh, you probably don't hear the hard panned vocals. Uh, Billy Joel's voice is very hard panned to the left, and the piano is hard panned to the right um, because Billy Joel is trying to write a rock opera e concept song about sort of being in a theater and you show up expecting a musical but all you get is a play oh man and isn't that just what life is you show up expecting a musical <laughs> and all you get is a play it's like play it's when you want concept. a musical <laughs> uh so that's that's what this song is about and so he keeps wondering where's the orchestra Where's the orchestra? Wasn't this supposed to be a musical? Here I am in the balcony. How the hell could I have missed the overture? Uh, so that's that's basically it. Like that's that's got the one idea, and he just like throws in a bunch of theater terms. This is my big night on the town. My introduction to theater crowd. I assumed that the show would have a song, so I was wrong. At least I understand all the innuendo and the irony, and I appreciate the roles the actors played, the point the author made, and after the closing lines and after the curtain calls, the curtain falls on empty chairs. Where's the orchestra? So he's got one idea that could have been like a line in a different song and he just kind of repeats it and throws in a bunch of theater terms. So it yeah. It's a metaphor that I feel could work maybe, uh but not drawn to this length and if he executed on it better. And yep. And, and if he like actually talked about the di- like what he's really getting at, like the difference between a musical and a play, if he talked about like how he wanted it to be heightened and bouncy and have strong emotions, and then he shows up to like this realist, like Uncle Vanya style like play that is very like somber, you know, um, like if he had gone there and kind of fleshed out like what are the actual differences, like what are you expecting versus the reality. You know, like that would have been so much stronger of a place to take this song. Mm. Uh, it's just too boring for me to even talk to you. About I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, you're great. Oh, no, you're great. Well, should we close up shop? Uh, that's the real deal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we should close up shop. <laughs> Closing up shop is the real deal, as Macklemore says. Becca Becca started just saying that's the real deal, homie. <laughs> that's um, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. Jesus. All right. Well, uh vamp for about two seconds while I pull up uh the, the stuff that I read at the end of every episode. Oh, you're not just gonna. I don't have it committed to memory. Just gonna recite it. Oh well, that was enough vamping. That was that's all I needed. Good job. You really, really carried the energy of the show there. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back next. Oh fuck, I didn't look this part up either. Oh no, what comes after the nylon curtain? Uh, An innocent man from 1983. Oh, it's a concept album. Oh, this is the one where he does pastiches of everything. And it's got his like doo-wop song for the longest time. Okay. Damn. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be interesting to like hear him pastiche things other than the Beatles. 
Um, so until next week with an innocent man, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Um, you know, you can go on iTunes and write a review, or if you want to support us even more directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. Um, and if you want to support us directly but don't want to spend the money, what you can do is share the show with people. Here, here's, here's a pitch that you could have. Hey, you got nothing better to do. Why don't you listen to two ding-dongs be idiots <laughs> and talk about music? <laughs> what else are you going to do, honestly? So you can you can go ahead a, and have a that. stirring pitch. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and have that and uh, tell that to your mom or whatever um but yeah share the show <laughs> you can also join our discord the link will be in the show notes you can listen to cameron's other podcast which is called get up in the cool so cool you guys so cool um, it's a it's a show about how to be cool <laughs> be who's cool, cool. Mm-hmm. who's cool what's not uh-huh. cool it's just the gatekeeper podcast of coolness so cool daddy so if you if you if you're willing to go there and find out who's cool <laughs> cool or not check it out yeah. all right well until next week i've been nathan hunt the fuck machine that kills orlando bloom <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I'm Cameron DeWitt, and I'm going to go write some slash fiction. That's appropriate, because, like, the knife is, like, slashing when I'm the fuck machine that kills Orlando Bloom. (laughs) (laughs) 